0: Hi, this is Bulat Khalilov with the Global Zomia podcast on East East Radio. This issue of Global Zomia is dedicated to the American label Sahir Sounds focused on culture in the West African Sahel, Project founder Christopher Kirkley doesn't just find local music of different genres, from desert blues to experimental electronics or hip-hop. First of all, he forms a community around the label that supports the musicians and produces new records. There is also an ethnographic moment. Sahel Sounds releases documents, local tradition, and explore different aspects of culture. For example, WhatsApp's impact on the Sahel music industry. In an interview with Christopher Kirkley, we talked about how curiosity and even exotization can be useful imputes in the early stages. Why musicians in the Sahel trust Western producers more and how the distance between labels and academic folklorists is closing. The
1: label started out as a as a way of, of documentation so of uh, documenting different musical genres uh, that that I encountered on my own travels I thought were um were not getting the the attention that they deserve so it, it's it, at its initial foundation I think that, that that was the impetus of the the label over the years it's It's changed to also include an idea of partnership in a collective and shared creation of how that music is being presented and how we're uh, we're selling it. So it's become something not just to to share what's uh, and document, or not just to document music, but also to involve the artist in that step of how their music is being represented and how it's going to be uh, connected to listeners outside of their own culture. So that's become a very important part of the label too and uh, part of its mission.
0: What are the general guidelines for Sahil Sounds?
1: Well, overall, the, the music is geographic. It's music that is is from the Sahel, but it it's not particularly tied to any genre. You know, we have some releases of uh, of electronic music, of uh, sort of outsider hip hop. Uh, there's archival stuff from the '70s and and uh, uh, synthesizer stuff music, and then there's a lot of guitar as well. So, but like I said, I, I think what you could say is that it's uh, it's it is focused on um, on hyper localized and regional scenes. It's often focused on, uh, on, smaller, on smaller scenes that uh, are more DIY or outsider, and music that doesn't necessarily get the, doesn't have a lot of uh, support in, uh, in the countries where it's from.
0: How do you choose what's to be recorded and documented and what is not? And is it difficult for a selector to take responsibility within foreign culture?
1: It's definitely music that I that I choose. I, I. While there is a, this uh, this idea of uh, documenting, I it's also purely aesthetic. It's it's stuff that I think is uh is good music, and uh, that's a very subjective thing. I realize, but I don't document everything. I think if there's a if there's a compelling enough story, then I will I'll, I'll really work on, on making a building a release out of something. But foremost, it has to be music that I that I, I enjoy and that I am passionate about as as music. I think it, that every release has uh, has two aspects, the the sound and the music and what it how it makes you feel. And then there's a, a context, uh, what is this music, what is the story of this music, why is this music important, what does it represent, what can it tell us about a, a region, or a contemporary events, or technology, or how, how people are creating uh, art, so, but those are two aspects that I think are both important, so as much as context is important, I, I would never put something out if, uh, if I didn't think that it was it was listenable. Because I think it's largely aesthetic, too, you know? I mean, I come in there with my own ear and my own aesthetic, and I have music that I'm interested in that I think many of the people who traveled there in the past wouldn't pay any attention to that music. And, and that, I mean, that's one thing that you hear with Sublime Frequencies, for example, you know, hearing... Being coming from a different background and, and being interested in, in, in noisier music and then finding things like group duet, you understand? And for me, like I'm, I'm interested in, in, in hip-hop and auto-tune, and I'm not the only person in the West interested in this, but I was one of the only people at the time who was traveling there with a project to record and produce records who was interested in that that's sort of the situation. You know, I think there weren't, there just aren't enough people traveling to these parts of the world to collect music, to warrant that, you know, Uh, I think that's it. You know, the people who you do have, who are going to do music projects, it's a very small amount. You you understand? Like, and those who do go are usually looking for a specific sound. And the world, the world music sound is is like those bands that play uh, music that's that categorized as world music. Uh, they're definitely there, but even so, there's so many there's so many bands because these countries on the other side. One another important point is that there's a there's just so much music being made in these places too, and uh, music still has a a very a very important uh, s- social role being played in in weddings, rather than having DJs, it's still live bands playing on all of these 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 roles. So there's a lot of bands, but there's also there's also a lot more equipment coming now than ever before. You know, in the past years, now we have digital uh, media, digital cell phones that can transmit music and share music but also cheap studios and and so we're having this this explosion now in West Africa of more people making music than have ever been able to make music before so maybe in the past if you came there you couldn't find any there was probably a lot of traditional you know village music being played and then maybe a few a few bands and now just way, way more than there ever was before. You understand?
0: Sakir Sounds release mostly local modern music, while traditional is given less attention. Why do many labels prefer local kinds of global genres? I,
1: I think the word traditional, it, it all depends on when you're, w- when you're setting your, your scope on what is traditional. Because mm-hmm. I think if you look at some of the releases, for example, if you looked at Takamba, uh, played on a traditional guitar, you could say, "Okay, that's that's traditional music," but that is not. That hasn't existed for for centuries or millennia in Mali. It's a. It it came out of the 1970s. It probably came from Mauritania. So it was a music brought from another place by another ethnic group into another region. So it's, it's, it sets up a false dichotomy when we treat everything as, as traditional and then everything is as modern, and then uh, as a dividing line between the two, because it it creates a narrative that, that before Western media, that Africa existed as isolated and sort of encased in amber and fixated. And, I mean, it's not true. You know, cultural exchange has always been happening. And I think music that we call traditional for example, like even you know palm wine music in Sierra Leone, it's music that was influenced by calypso and by uh, transmission of ideas from from West Africa back to uh, uh, the Caribbean and then and then back to West Africa. So, so I think that, uh, that, that first I think that's that's a difficult uh, dividing line to make. Other than that, I think that one thing that I that I do with the label is I focus on, on just what people are listening to. You know, it, it really came out of my own work of traveling through areas, and uh, and so I I release music that that exists on the terrain the the young people are listening to. I'm not trying to push an one single narrative over over another, I'm just trying to show what I hear and what I see.
0: But don't you think this influence happening too radically today? Are new genres a different product from urbanization?
1: But I, but I don't think that that's the problem. I mean, the urbanization that's happening in these countries isn't being fed by people wanting to listen to hip-hop music. That's not at the core of it. The urbanization is people wanting to buy vehicles and buy shoes and buy cars and have running water. And so it's a much, much bigger problem than, than music. And I think, I don't think music is, uh, is one music is maybe like a 1% of uh, the cause of, of global urbanization is happening. If anything, what I want to see is uh, with, more equipment and more technology. This can be used as a as a tool to to create strongly regional scenes. So, for example, in Mali, for right now, their hip hop now sounds identical to Western hip hop, but because there's uh computers were arriving in the late '90s, you have some some local areas now that that make their own version of hip-hop that's particular to a region, particular to an ethnicity. And so these sounds, these 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 styles they make, this electric tacumba, for example, you know, in, in the north of Mali, if they hadn't had that technology, they would have been homogenized completely by this onslaught of of Bamako Western influenced hip-hop. But because they were able to adapt and create something that was modern. They had their own modern version of it that sounded good, that could compete against homogenization. And so I think that's the key is you could, if you just shut off yourself and you say, no, we won't create any modern music, you're going to lose the young people who can't, who want to hear something new. They want to hear something that sounds like what they hear from outside, but I think that if there are tools and there are resources that people can create their own versions of this stuff that that can hold up, and that's just not in that's in all media. I mean, that's in not just in in music, but in in art and in film. I mean, it's it's more important than ever that ev- that these places are are are. At the same time, motorcycles and and vehicles are coming into the nomad camps. They need to know how to work a camera and how to digitally record uh, field recordings of their own, so they can they can document poetry and and we can have sort of like this neo folk movement. Because if that otherwise, this stuff will just completely disappear, and you'll just have a a homogenized modern society that has has no roots to its past because it doesn't give a shit about it because the young people just don't care about
2: it afunyana bebe afunyana don't like digi don't like Afonye ngika afuny 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 bebe afuny ngika afuny bebe afuny ablay wolo de bebe kafonye afuny kafonye, afuny bebe ka afuny nene wolo de bebe ka afuny kafonye, Afonye bebe ka afuny 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 horo muso bebe ka fon lika fo kafunyi ikafunyi ni ni eh ni yedakanye ongoni dakanye awa ni yedakanye ala ngoni dakanye bebetany koni yedakanye eh ni dakanye ndau ni yedakanye mbafiani dakanye bebetany koni aisha Boyet a gagner, boyet a gagner, with a gagner babing with a candle, boyet a gagner, with a gagner babing with a candle, don't let it get all I have <muchas> for you, Nick a foyer, a foyer, a foyer, babet, a foyer, Nick a bebe babet, a foyer, a play, Wolodem, babet, a foyer, Nick a
3: Pepe, e e cá e cá gide bebe
2: ni muna furu barikala o barikala ngideoumbe barikala barikala idoumbe barikala go barikala idoumbe barikala fatima e ngede fatima barikala o barikala idoumbe barikala m bebe ngede bebe barikala L'ango don't be barricala. O barricala, it don't be barricala. Morty cafurusola. Hey, Fadima Mununa. Morty cafurusola. Hm, bebe de mununa. Bebe and de me barricala. Bebe, I didn't be barricala. Go barricam.
0: so the label's original impulse was curiosity
1: yeah I think it comes from a curiosity of travel like when I speak of you know my own experience it's it's because I've traveled to places and that it was a lot of this work was born out of my own desire to travel to see places and then to find a way to talk about that experience. So, uh, and I think that's, that's the case with most of these labels that you're talking about that it's born out of that, that desire to, to travel to see places and, and, uh, and to meet other cultures and just a curiosity of, of, of travel. Uh, that's definitely at the heart of a lot of misses, uh, a lot of sublime frequency. Uh, releases. I don't know Vincent's work as well, but I also think that there, that that can be tied. When you talk about labels, it's also tied a lot to uh, digging culture and and labels and record labels. If you look at a lot of the desire for music and the scramble for finding something new and and digging, you know a lot of what people are we're doing for, for music is finding something rare, something that hasn't been heard before. And and I think that that's carried over into this step of going out into the world and trying to find something. I also think there's something about recording and documenting that as we move into this culture where everything's available on the internet, there's suddenly a very much more value on on real things. on on bringing new material that's onto, into the world, that's not, not a, re, a remix or a reinterpretation of, of someone else's work, but something original.
0: Do you think that sahir Sounds exoticize African music? What about the ethical side of such projects?
1: Well, I think that it initially is, you know, and, and I think exoticism, we talk a lot about, we criticize exoticism, A lot in our circles and and I think that that exoticism is useful in some respects is it what it's it's what it's what draws someone in I mean exoticism is what brought me to West Africa Uh, obviously my perceptions of West Africa were were completely wrong they were informed by exoticism by ideas of what the Sahara was and what Africa was and over the course of my work, of my travels, exo- I, was, I was in the process of dismantling that exoticism. As I encountered the, real, the reality of contemporary Africa, I replaced that exoticism with a more grounded experience. And, and so I think that, that exoticism as, a, as the initial impetus is okay, if we're working to dismantle it. And, I, and that's, I think most of what the records are, in, in a way, it's, it's uh, people are obviously brought into this music because of uh, curiosity of a different place. And I mean, if you want to use that word, curiosity instead of exoticism, but I think curiosity of the other is often shrouded in a lot of exoticism. And I think that through music, though, we can take this journey and and, and use that as a jumping-off point to say, yeah, okay, maybe I have these these uh, these strange ideas about this place, but but this is an opportunity for me to dismantle that and learn more about it.
0: What are the relations between Sahir sounds and DIY ethnography in general with academic science?
1: I don't know. I don't know if I would put myself in contrast to. To the ethnography, I, I don't really like the the word of ethnography though because I think that in general it it sort of presupposes that this this look of uh, of this uh, this external like scientist who's studying a place and I don't see a lot of the work that I do as as studying I think the work where I'm trying to take the work where my mission is to take this work is to not not create documents that are studies of people but create collaborative art that is very much a conversation between myself and this other person so so it's not necessarily uh born out of a particular culture it's it's got a personal imprint on it as well from whoever happened to to work on the project as well as my own touch on it so I think that's why I'm reluctant to use ethnography because I think ethnography supposes that you can create some sort of documentation that's completely immune to any subjective experience, and uh, and that we're we're placing all this uh, this this hope and these uh, this uh, expectation in this ethnographer. And who is this ethnographer? Who is this person that we we're trusting to give us this completely scientific view of a culture so and i realized that ethnography has changed a lot and i when i talk to young ethnomusicologists they're, they're very much aware of of this sort of uh, this bias but but my my impulse when i hear ethnography is to think of this old ethnography and uh and that's why i distance myself from from that
0: does Sakir sounds and musicians work together
1: it does depend a lot on the person who I work with and I I think that everybody there's so many different individuals that have different experience and there's also different levels of involvement that I have with different artists you know if you take Indu Moktar for example I've been working with him but I've also become his manager Uh, we've made films together so and you know we have like deep friendships so there's artists like that on the label but then there's also sometimes people that i meet briefly and we you know we make a quick contract and or some artists that i haven't i haven't met in person at all i think overall though there's a the monetary thing is is, is very much present that people really do need they need money and so, you know, having an American come and say, I, I want to work with you and it's an opportunity, especially with the, a lot of these artists that I work with, they don't necessarily have success at home. They're outsider. They're smaller artists. So these uh, these records are actually very financially. Uh, they're big projects for for most of the artists. So yeah, there's there's that as well. I mean, it's it's definitely something that uh, sometimes it, it can be de- like the money thing. Is a, It's a bare, it's a big part of it. You are a stranger
0: in Africa. How does that affect people's attitude towards the label? Is it hard to be accepted by the musicians?
1: I no no, there's not there's not that. I think that one thing that people in the West don't understand is that. The, the capitalism in West Africa is is much more aggressive than it is here. If, if people are concerned about... People are often more happy to work with an American producer, manager, label... ...than they would ever be about working with an African record label. When I talk to people, and I've called many people and we start doing a deal... ...when they, deter, when they know that I'm American... They want me. To, they want to make sure that I'm not. I'm not from their country, because they don't. There is much, much distrust for people in their own country, and the experience dealing with uh, local managers, local labels, local producers is very negative. There's a lot of corruption, and uh, and there's the idea that Americans, Westerners, pay better, are more trustworthy, and are more honest. So. Yeah, it's in, it's it's interesting because it's not what you expect, and I think well, a lot of times when I I talk to people back in the West, they give me these questions about about that or about like how do the artists feel about them their music being represented in another culture and questions of of payments and and uh, and I have to remind people that the artists that I work with are way more uh, savvy business people. They're they're very smart about money and they're not easily exploited people.
0: Is it possible to say that your releases are more popular in the West than in home country of music?
1: No, the records are huge back home uh, for everyone. I think it's because now, especially with the internet, I mean, the records we produce, for one, like we, we have records sometimes that I, I record... I rec- I take music that was already made and we release it, uh, and then other times I produce the music. The music I produce is always finds its way back home on the radio, on uh, on cell phones. Uh, the physical copies, the vinyl, the CDs, the cassettes, those are not sold back home. Those are not sold in Niger or Mali. Nobody cares about that. But the the music is popular sometimes it's the best recording that anyone's ever had so it becomes a big part of uh of the the popular music uh also any of the artists when they have uh worked with a, a label like with my label they use that as a as promotion and uh because they've worked with a western label now they uh they can promote that at home and it's it gives them more uh, desirability Uh, it it sort of uh, makes them more uh, worth more in some way of uh, being able to get better fees and, and whatnot especially if they've toured in the in Europe they can come home and and promote that as a as look we're a band who who even in Europe we play We're you know and they they use that to their advantage and Sahel Sounds is very well known now in Mali, and Niger, all, all the musicians, it's, uh, I, I get contacted now by, by musicians who just write me on the internet, and, and, I'm, and people know about the label.
0: How's the self-organization going in the region? Do musicians open their own labels and take projects without your supervision?
1: Yeah, there is. There's quite a lot of that. Uh, it's, not, it's not huge, but it's happening. And there's some projects, some really interesting project by people documenting culture and uh, not so much doing uh, field recordings. But, you know, this is something that that I'm I'm even trying to work on. And I have brought over Zooms to maybe three or four different people now. I'm working with one guy in Niger and he's created a, a studio and I want them to start producing their own records. And and so he's going out and doing his own field recordings with the Zoom. And so I think we can push on it and, and, and make this happen. People want to do the work. You just have to find the right people who, who are passionate about it. And it's also important to remember that a lot of this work comes from a place of privilege, that when you want to talk about making art or making field recordings or doing Doing anything, anything cultural, it's it's really hard to do that if you don't have your basic needs met, right? So it's a privileged place. I don't know if there's enough resources to really have a this you know a similar thing to what Western labels are doing because we have it a lot easier.
0: What can you say about commercial side of your project?
1: Well, the music is also very much commercialized. It's really rare, you know, to see people just performing music for fun. Uh, most of the music is being performed for money or they're performing or they're using the music to praise. Like a lot of the the contemporary music that you hear is often praise songs. It's it's modeled after the Griot model. So they're singing the name of someone and then that person is is a a rich patron who's bestowing money on the musician for singing about them and praising them. So it's still very much economical. You know, the the projects that we've made where artists are creating something new just for fun, it's because I've funded the project. But otherwise, everyone is is making music, but they're also making music to make money, way more than in, in the US.
0: include a lot of field recordings but no less 2D work how do you choose the working format for each release
1: yeah well I think if I you know if I hear I prefer to do the field recordings really because I I think that it uh, it captures well okay the field recording I would say it's it it captures more of what what I what I hear in a place it's very much more about my experience when we do a field recording. Uh, the studio recordings have become interesting because there are ways of involving the artist a lot more in the creation of their work. So, in a studio recording now, uh, it's a it's an experience where the, where they have a, a stronger hand in in the creation of the sound. Field recording, it's me choosing where I want to stand and hitting record. In the studio, they can go back, they can change something, they can re-record. Sometimes a studio recording is, is harder for me because, aesthetically, it might start to veer off in a direction that I wouldn't choose. Whereas a field recording is much easier for me to say, I like exactly how this sounds, I want to record exactly this sound. So it's sort of a, a balance, you know? I as I, as we move more towards studio recordings, I give up a little of my own aesthetic and, and idea, but I give more of a voice to the musician.